Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. I'm your host, John Siegley. I am joined, as always, by Sheryl McMillan and Sean Moran. We are sponsored by John T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. If you are listening to this podcast, please give us a rating and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening, especially if you are on iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you feel we are worth it. If not, it, then please tell us how we can improve so we can earn that five-star review. Uh, but again, we ask that everyone listening, please rate, subscribe. It really helps us out. Guys, it's been a little while since we talked, but there has been a lot of new news going on here. And let's start off with this. There was a tweet by Brett McMurphy uh, later or in the latter part of last week that the that reported that coaches are going to be able to come back to campuses hopefully sometime in June. But the bigger news I feel like for a lot of Carolina fans is that players are reportedly going to be able to come back in July. Now the three of us have talked several times about the freshman class and what it's going to mean for them if they cannot really practice do all those things that freshmen need to do, especially coming into a program and a system like Carolina's. So, Sherelle, when you saw that report by Brett McMurphy, what was your take on that as far as how it could impact the incoming UNC freshman class? Well, a lot of it depends on what it looks like when they come back. So will they be able to run full court? Will they be able to practice? Will they um, be able to get up shots in the gym with an assistant coach or with a manager? And if they're able to do that, you know, how much – um, social distancing will they have to do what will require masks and gloves and hand sanitizer and soap and just how much will they be able to do um, so that's that was the first thing that crossed my mind was okay how do they work through this logistically I think the second thing is um, you know it's important just for the fact that they'll be on campus uh, for the season you know it, it's not going to make or break them later on in January and February games but the fact that they'll be able to um, be around each other. They'll be able to go into the film room and, and watch film, uh, you know, on campus if they need to. They'll be able to go work out with Jonas and they'll be able to get medical attention from the staff, um, even if it is one-on-one and not like it usually is. That's a big deal just because it's so much harder to do that on your own than it is in a controlled environment. So I think, you know, those are all positives. Obviously, safety is the biggest concern. Um, so we don't know when there's going to be a season, when it's going to start. But this is a good first step. So from the basketball side of it, you know, this was kind of, you know, welcome sight because it finally kind of gave a glimmer of hope. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Sean? What was your take, man? Yeah, no, I, it was exciting to hear, especially, you know, the fact that we've been talking many times of will anybody even be on campus in the fall? You know, will games maybe start in January? So I think uh, it was a welcome, welcome thing to hear. And once again, it's, it's not going to be like it has been in the past with all the pickup games, et cetera. But at the very least, it gets them on campus. It gets them acclimated together, uh, especially with the, the returners. And with, with such a big group of, of freshmen this year, it'll definitely be good to, in whatever capacity, have them interacting. Uh, at the same time, you know, maybe it's not full court basketball or maybe it's only two at a time, whatever it is. But, you know, you can still get them out out running um, out on the track or doing uh, cardio and getting in shape. I mean, I think that's usually the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles for freshmen is just kind of getting in Carolina basketball shape, especially 
uh, now where sports have pretty much been canceled the last two months. And while people are still working out, it's, it's a lot different, uh, you know, playing full court or doing sprints uh, with a team versus just trying to do a living room or driveway workout. Oh, yeah. Coach Williams is going to have these guys playing faster than they have ever played before. Uh, but you mentioned those pickup games. And, you know, we've heard about the legendary uh, UNC pickup games where alumni come back and play with the team, including the, the incoming freshmen. Uh, I mean, Sherelle, do you think that that could be something that the team maybe misses a little bit later on? Or do you feel that that's more maybe just a rite of passage for these freshmen who have to come to Carolina? I think it's both. I, th- I think, you know, materially, like, you know, it won't impact, like we said earlier, January or February when they're down five at, you know, in a crucial road game, it won't impact that. But what it will, what it, what it does force them to miss is just, um, and it sounds cheesy, it's kind of an indoctrination into Carolina basketball and all that that means. And you can go back and listen to uh, Ross Martin and Tommy Ashley's interview with Gerard Williams a couple of weeks ago those players take the pickup games really serious. And, um, you know, it's not quite Michael Jordan in the last dance series, um, how he, how he was at practice, but you know, I'm, there's, I've been to a couple of them there's good, there's ribbing and it gets serious and, you know, there's, there's fouls and there's junk talk to each other, you know, all in a respectful way, of course. But um, I think they'll miss on that because a lot of times freshmen come in and they love the way they smell and they love the way they look and they love the way that everyone looks at them. And they think that, you know, they are there and they're the stuff. And those pickup games, I think, serve as kind of an opportunity for the past players to say, look, you haven't earned anything yet. You haven't done anything. You haven't won a game. You haven't, you know, won at Duke. You haven't won at NC State. You haven't even been through Williams' conditioning. You haven't passed your, your tough time and your mile run. You know, you haven't done anything. So calm down. So I think it's kind of a way for um, – it's helpful for the coaching staff because they, they can't be involved in any of that but the former players know so well what the coaching staff expects. It's kind of a way for them to get a head start because they can start instilling in them already what the coaching staff wants. So again, I don't, I don't think it'll impact the season per play with how they play, but it will impact, you know, how they understand Carolina basketball and all that comes with that. Yeah. And speaking about the season itself, I mean, hopefully whenever it does start, the fact that they have not been able to do these summer practices and do the scrimmages uh, like we anticipate them not being allowed to do. Uh, Sean, do you think that that could maybe cause some rustiness that otherwise wouldn't be there? And maybe you'll see the team for the first couple months of the season. That'll kind of be their growth period uh, when normally they may be running a little bit smoother if there were normal circumstances. Yeah. I mean, I think even with normal circumstances, that initial point of time was going to be a growth period just given you know how much the fresh how dependent the team was going to be on the freshman especially from the guard spot so uh you know maybe it's a little some more hiccups but I think everybody's going to be dealing with that so you know probably not the the worst thing but once again you know I think the positive is that I did you know hopefully they're getting on campus they're getting acclimated and just getting integrated into Carolina basketball yeah all right guys Um, I think that's about it for that. Hopefully the players are able to get back in July. I know that Inside Carolina will have full coverage on when that does happen, if it does happen. So everyone listening, please stay tuned to Inside Carolina. Check out the Inside Carolina Premium Basketball Message Board where all the latest information will be posted. But turning now to the next topic here, while there was the bit of good news from the Brett McMurphy 
tweet. Unfortunately, there was a little bit of bad news as far as recruiting valuation periods go because it was announced that a couple of the bigger events over the summer are now canceled. That include the NBPA Top 100 camp, the Scholastic Evaluation Period, which takes place in late June, and then the NCAA Academies, which is in late July. Now, those are events that Inside Carolina has reported on. And Sean, I think you've even you've been to, to several of those over the years. So, I mean, the fact that they're canceled right now, just really, what is that going to make for the 2021 recruiting class? Well, I mean, it, it's, I think, we're, you know, we're seeing it with, with the Zoom offers, but it's, you know, really from the spring to the end of, end of the summer, a lot happens in terms of who's playing well, you know, names you haven't really heard a lot of are, are jumping into the conversation and maybe some guys that were highly ranked early, early on are, are dropping off. So you're really going to lose a whole lot of change in the rankings, which I think will just help the, the coaching staffs that are more diligent and, and maybe have a better eye or got out a little bit earlier uh, during the high school seasons. But yeah, it's disappointing not to have these events. I mean, disappointing for all of us who usually would go to them or certain, certain uh, events. Um, and I, you know, whether they have any in August, I think is a, is another question I would lean probably, probably not. Uh, but again, you know, maybe, maybe they, there is a way to, to have a few of them at a, a smaller venue or, a fewer, fewer amount of teams, but, you know, I, I think a lot of kids are missing out the opportunity, you know, not only to get seen, but to play against pretty strong competition and to con- uh, continue to get better overall. So Sherelle, what do you think this will have though on the coaches? How are they working around the loss of so many of these live ev- eval periods that we know are so critical for it, programs, especially like UNC that try to limit their offers? I mean, how, how are they possibly going to try to make this up? I think it's a lot of film watching, you know, for coaches who love to to do that sort of thing. I think this has kind of been, uh, uh, I don't want to say a, a, a nice respite from what they typically do, but I think it's been something that they adjust to a little easier just because that's the only way you can really evaluate things. Now you can, you know, coaches have synergy. Sean's lucky enough to to have it as well. Coaches have synergy where they can watch specific plays and specific players in certain situations. But then there's also, uh, some players that have been offered or who school is showing interest in, they don't have some of the fancier things. So it really is going back to, you know, 1993, cut up a, a VHS and, and kind of watch grainy film from a high school team to see if a player is good enough to play for your school. So I think for, for, I think for some coaches, there's a, an added challenge there to, to kind of um, <clears throat> to challenge their scouting ability. Um, just because they don't have the easy access that they're typical that they typically do, so I think that's part of it. And then I think they're going to have to um, lobby the NCA or recommend to the NCA that there's some form of um, evaluation period in the fall. Now, I don't think anyone has any clue what that would look like, the logistics um, needed to put it in place, um, if it would be scholastic or non-scholastic. Um, you know, how they go about dealing with states that maybe haven't uh, eased restrictions versus states that have so that all players have an equal opportunity to be seen. Uh, But I think that's the main thing is that it's going to be hard for the class of 2021 to really get recruited and get scholarship offers um, and and eventually sign with schools in the fall if coaches aren't able to see them live. And, you know, NCAA leadership, I can't remember exactly who it was, has kind of come out and said, hey, we haven't forgot about the class of 2021. We're here for you. We're going to figure something out. 
Now, whether or not, you know, that's realistic considering everything that's happening with the coronavirus pandemic, I don't know. But I think the, the NCAA and, and the coaching lobby is they're going to try. And yeah. uh, I hope they are able to come up with something um, that, that helps because there's a, there's a lot of kids. There, there's some kids who this has been a, a kind of a boon for, but there are other kids who needed to be seen in order to get a scholarship offer because you got to think, you know, there are only so many. North Carolina's out there. For some people, it's just about paying for school. It's not about um, having a chance to play in the NBA or playing on ESPN, you know, in a primetime game. It's just about how can I pay for school? How can I do something that I really enjoy? So the state, even though they're all in the same, you know, governing body, the NCAA, the stakes are so much different from the bigger schools to the little schools. So I think that's something that has to be considered too. Yeah. And Sean, I mean, when you're looking at it from the player's perspective, I mean, what kind of group of players do you think will be most impacted by this? Is it those guys that are already in maybe the top 20? Is it those kind of middle prospects? Or do you think it's those guys on the fringe, like Sherelle said, that maybe wouldn't have gotten an offer if not for a coach being able to see them live? Yeah, I mean, I think the top 20, 40 guys, I mean, the fact that they're up there, everybody knows about them or is familiar with them, has probably seen them. Uh, most likely they're probably playing up on the AAU circuit. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be the guys, I mean, that you're starting to see that, you know, maybe aren't ranked that are now, you know, kind of jumping up or getting that. But, you know, if you're a, you know, say a mid-major or a low-major, um, you're just having to dig that much deeper uh, through the high school seasons to try to find those players that are at your level. Because for the big guys, it's a lot easier in terms of, of there's only so many players that can play at that level. Uh, versus guys that can play at a Ivy League or a CAA. Um, so I think for, for those coaches, they're probably, you know, diving a lot deeper, doing a lot more film watching. Uh, but once again, for the bigger schools, it, you know, each, each one means a little more because if, if you miss badly, you know, sure, you're seeing a, a lot more transfers these days so they can be just out the door. But, you know, if the – I think we'll see over the next two to three years, the coaches that are hitting on the recruits now, those are going to be the ones better situated, um, you know, come, come a few years down the road. Yeah, that's a really good point there. Um, Cheryl, anything else to add on this topic or do we want to go ahead and take our first commercial break, man? I think we're good. All right. Sounds good. Well, let me go ahead then and take a quick second to talk about our friends at John T-Shirt and JohnT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. You hear them on every Inside Carolina podcast because they have been tremendous friends of Inside Carolina. They have helped support this podcast now for years. They are your locally owned place to get Carolina gear, but they have been in business on, on Franklin Street for decades. So during these tough times, if you're looking for a local business to support, please, please, please buy your Carolina gear from Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They have anything that you can want for the Tar Heel fan in your family. And don't forget that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off code either at John T-Shirt's location or at JohnnyT-Shirt.com. So you can save some money, help support the Inside Carolina podcast, and help support Giant T-Shirt because they have been an absolute icon in Chapel Hill for years. So Giant T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. But guys, you know, talking about offers going out um, and players that are, you know, are we're hoping to maybe get a boost in the recruit rankings over the summer. Uh, this was a player that Sherelle mentioned in last week's scoop, uh, DeMarco Dunn, who was originally from Tucson, Arizona, but has now moved to North Carolina. He is a 6'4 shooting guard 
And I say that he was probably one that was hoping that his ranking would improve because right now, if you look at it, uh, just on the 247 composite, he's a three-star, the 146th ranked na national recruit. But on the 247 rankings, he's actually a four-star now up to the 90th ranked recruit. And shortly after the scoop, I think it was that he was offered by UNC. So, um, Shrell, for those who, first off, maybe not maybe maybe not that familiar with Dunn, just again, given the limitations on the film that we have on these guys, give us a quick profile on what type of player he is. Yeah, so <clears throat> his story is you know, a, a little unique in that, like you said, he moved from Tucson, Arizona about a year ago uh, to Fayetteville, North Carolina, my quasi-hometown. I'm actually from Hope Mills, but <laughs> Hope Mills and Fayetteville are the same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he is at Westover High School. Um, his head coach is George Stackhouse. I don't know if he's related to Jerry Stackhouse, but he is from the Kinston area. Uh, but yeah, so Dunn's mother um, works with the military and moved out to Fayetteville. And so he was looking for a high school and his uncle introduced him uh, to Coach Stackhouse and, and Westover and kind of the rest is history. Um, you know, they had a really good season last year and Dunn was a, a large part of that. And I mean, he, he came in with zero offers. So think about that. A year ago, he played a national AU circuit, was seen by all kinds of teams, the hometown schools, uh, Arizona, Arizona State didn't offer, no one offered. And here he is a year later um, with offers from Texas and Carolina and Maryland and Michigan and a, a bunch of other schools um, who you know are top flight programs. So I think that's number one, is that this is somebody whose uh, trajectory is going, you know, I'm, I'm making a motion if you're listening. He's just kind of going up and up. Uh, so he's 6'4". Uh, I think he – can't remember his weight. I think about 180, I think is what he said. Um, and he's just a – I think above all else, he's a really good shooter. And we've seen that's a, something that Roy Williams has put an extra premium on, more so than normal, this particular recruiting cycle. And, you know, done uh, really catch and shoot. I think uh, he was in the 40s from three-point percentage for the year, but his coach said that after conference play started, he was up in the 50s, like 51% from three. So he's kind of your dead-eye shooter. Um, he also, uh, you know, he can finish in traffic, you know, if, if he needs to. But I think above all else, that's, that's his greatest skill on the court, and that's really what uh, has got the attention of so many programs. Um, so he kind of slots at Carolina into that, um, wing position so kind of a two you know true shooting guard who can play maybe the three um, in like a, a smaller lineup so he has that versatility um, and I just think you know it's it was an offer that you know came because of film study and that's kind of the new reality for the coaches Roy Williams hasn't seen him in live and in person I don't know if anyone from the Carolina staff has actually seen him live and in person but they liked his film that much and that shooting ability that they went ahead and offered so, Sean, what about you? I, I know that you've been watching a lot of film on Dunn, especially after Carolina offered him. So what's your takeaway as to what kind of player he is? Yeah, I mean, well, first I'd be, I'd be curious to know how many, film, you know, how many games does the UNC coaching staff watch? Because, you know, I think it's easy for, uh, you know, to, to ask the high school coach, oh, send, me, you know, send me a game or two, and he sends uh, the best games. Um, so, of course, they, they look good. Uh, so I'd be curious to know, you know, kind of see what their process is. But, you know, besides that, um, yes, I was able to watch some of Don, obviously the YouTube clips that are out there, but a full game high school. And then I was able to go back to some of his um, AU clips from last summer when he was playing on the 16 and under um, Under Armour AU circuit with power hoops out of, out of Arizona. And to be honest, watching the AU clips last summer, you know, 
fairly average, I would say. You know, it's nothing jumped out about his stats. You know, he, obviously good size for a wing, but uh, was short on a lot of his jump shots, not great in transition. But fast forward to high school, and it definitely looked like he had gained a little, little strength, uh, maybe gotten a, a little bit taller. You know, he's pretty long to begin with. And now those three-point shots in AAU that were coming up short, you know, they're just – he's just knocking them in left and right with, with ease from the three-point line and then can step back a few feet as well. Um, you know, and then you see him on the break and he can finish off one foot pretty well. And, and when he is attacking the basket off one to two dribbles, can finish with his left hand. So, you know, I was pretty impressed with him. Definitely a guy I would have liked to see go up against national competition on the 17 and under AAU circuit. but. In terms of uh, an offer, I mean, you got a guy in your backyard, a guy, as Sherelle mentioned, is on his way up, and a guy that has a lot of, I think, measurables that can slot him in at the ACC level. So, you know, definitely pretty impressed with him. Wish we could see him at a, at a bigger stage. But, you know, I think in, in this case, it was, it was solid work to, you know, watch him and, and offer him pretty early on in the process. Yeah, and when you're looking at the rest of the offers to shooting guards in the class, there's currently now three of them. You have Hunter Salas and then Trevor Keels as well. So, you know, Sherelle, when the offer went out to Don, number one, were you at all surprised at the timing of the offer? And number two, what do you think it says for the direction that Coach Williams wants to go overall with this class of 2021? Definitely surprised because um, even even in – you know, this kind of time that we've never had, never, never seen before. I still didn't think they would go from, you know, one, I think he had a phone call with Hubert Davis in March and then he had a phone call with Roy Williams the week before, and then he got an offer. I still didn't think it would go quite that fast, even with everything that's going on. Um, so that was a surprise. We actually were preparing that Wednesday to, or that Thursday to put something in the scoop that was kind of an intro story um, on Dunn, but you know, suffice to say that never made it to print uh, because he got the offer that Sunday. Um, so I think what it says is that they want backcourt versatility and they want uh, shooting. And I think uh, you, you look at the offers, you, we talked about it in the weekly scoop some, but you kind of break down where each player in the backcourt fits. And I think how they take them or when they take them all depends on um, you know, which player goes first and his skill set, and then how you want to complement that particular skill set. So, for instance, in a hypothetical, say that Dunn decided that Kellan is where he wants to go. I think that rules out, you know, someone like Trevor Keels because they're very similar in what they do and how they approach the game. Now, I'm not saying they wouldn't take Trevor Keels, but it seems like that would be a bit redundant considering their scholarship situation and their need for someone to be uh, an additional facilitator maybe not primary, but at least secondary facilitator in the 2021-2022 season. So uh, all that varies. Hunter Salas, say he decided that Carolina is where he, want, where he wants to be. Then I think they have some flexibility. They can say, well, if they get Kennedy Chandler, then they can make him the lead guard and Salas can go over and be the combo guard. But if they get someone like Trevor Keels or DeMarco Dunn, then Salas can move over and kind of be the primary facilitator. And then Dunn or Keels can be the shooter and the, and the two. So I think, it, it, like I said, it just depends on um, the combinations of, of who they get and when, and then what those particular players' skill set is, what that particular player's skill set is. Yeah, what, what do you think about that, Sean? I mean, I know that you've watched a ton of film on all these guys. Is it really just a situation where it'll kind of be that domino effect and we just have to wait and see who really does commit first? 
Yeah, I mean, I think they've, they've definitely focused on, you know, the, the last, last two offers are Salas and Dunn. So those are the two guys that have been offered in this, you know, kind of Zoom quarantine period, both, uh, you know, 6'4 guards. Obviously, Salas has a little more ball handling than Dunn. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, right, fully agree with what Sherell said. Of if, if Salas commits, you know, Dunn or Keels could still be a possibility. But if Dunn or Keels were to commit, then – you'd probably knock the other one off. Um, you know, I think when you're looking at the, the offers, you, are, you obviously have Styles committed. Really good athlete, not a great shooter as of yet. Um, so you want to make sure that you're surrounding him as well as the team with, with other shooters. And I think with the offers, I kind of look at it in four tiers of Dunn and Harrison Ingram being the most realistic um, committable offers. And then I'd say Salas is kind of a tier just below that. Um, and then Heels below him. And then finally at the bottom, you kind of have Chandler, Baldwin, and Holcomb. Um, so, you know, I think the, the Dunn, Ingram, Salas, like those guys, plus whoever they add on, are probably going to be the realistic ones for the, uh, for the 2021 class. Now, I could be completely wrong, and maybe Kenny Chandler is the point guard of the future, but um, – you never know. But at the same time, I do think Dunn slots in. And if you can get a, another North Carolina guy early on, that lays a very strong foundation. And now you can build on that. And now you can take your home run shots with a Chandler or maybe one of the next guys would be offered a Jabari Smith, somebody like that. Um, so, you know, I think it, to go back to the question, yeah, I think, you know, it'll, it'll be kind of a domino effect of whoever wants to commit first. But I think UNC probably has their priority as to who would commit when. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Dunn's rating right now, he's the lowest of those three shooting guards. But as you said, Sherelle, I mean, his his trajectory right now is on the upswing. So is Dunn the type of player that maybe if there was a full eval period, knowing that he is an in-state guy, a lot more UNC fans would probably be familiar with him it could have been something that maybe a lot more Carolina fans anticipated. Yeah, I definitely think so. If if the coaches, <laughs> the coaches in, in the NCAA in, in college basketball to be trusted, then I, I think he would have because what they're clearly telling you is that he's a good player because these are schools that don't just offer anyone in schools who have reputations for, you know, developing players and getting some of the best talent. So I, I think what they're saying is, yes, this is a kid who maybe is a little underrated because he frankly hasn't been seen. So I think he would have been someone like Dontre Styles, who um, with a full season of AAU, their, their ranking would have improved. And you have to remember, you know, AAU is a proving ground because think, I, you know, I, I know I keep going back to this well, but think about RJ Davis now. A year ago, North Carolina hadn't really, you know, paid him that much attention. They had seen a, a game of his in which he played really well against RJ Hampton, but they weren't seriously in his recruitment at this point. Uh, it was about another month from now when that really kind of to, to happen. Um, and he wasn't, you know, ranked very highly either just because he was a shorter guard and he'd miss some time. Um, so that's what that's the opportunity that playing on, you know, grassroots and AU circuit provides a lot of these players is a chance to raise their national profile, a chance to have, you know, that day, whether it's at Peach Jam or MBPA, where they're just in the zone, they're feeling it, they're playing well and they get that offer because of that performance. Um so just not having that is, 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 is I don't want to say it's sad considering everything that's going on in the country, but it is unfortunate that so many players won't have a chance to do that. And I am kind of fascinated to see in a couple of years, like Sean mentioned earlier, 
some of these kids who maybe committed to schools that um, committed early because they wanted to make sure they, they had a scholarship because they weren't going to be seen if that tilts the balance in college basketball at all for a season or two, just because there might be a player or two who was, you know, Carolina or NC state or Duke or Wake Forest caliber, but ended up at a, you know, a different school um, because of the entire situation. And then that, you know, gives rise to uh, two or three great seasons for that school. So it'll be fun to watch over the next couple of years to, to see if there's any ramifications like that on college basketball. Yeah, I mean, you, you have that, then add in the, the G League, um, you know, taking yeah. some of the, the top recruits, you know, all the transfers. But, but yeah, I, I do think, you know, right now, if you're kind of a, a Wake Forest or a mid-major or you're in a major conference, like this is an ideal opportune time to find those guys that are not in the, the, the top, uh, top 100 and try to get them to commit. And now all of a sudden, here you go. Um, but in terms of in terms of right now, um, I think there's you know who's to say that you know maybe Dunn was playing on CP three seventeens. He's he has two AAU periods in. Maybe he did really well. Maybe an offer came even earlier. Um, so once again, I think it all goes back to the film work and what you know what staffs are are working hard right now to try to identify those players that maybe could have had that that jump because I think you know, whether a player is ranked number 91 or 50 right now, probably not a huge difference just given how much uh, change usually happens in that first spring update by the recruiting uh, gurus. Yeah, I think it, it will really be interesting to see what happens with the rest of the evals. Like you guys mentioned earlier, if the NCAA does allow coaches uh, to really visit players more during the, the season, um, if some of these events are maybe rescheduled, it's just a lot of unknowns right now. But I think the biggest surprise just for, for me personally was what uh, Sherelle said where UNC actually offered a player without Roe Williams having seen him live in person. I mean, you know it's crazy times when, when that happens. But I really think that's going to kind of be the new normal for at least a little while. We'll just have to see. I know Inside Carolina will be mon- monitoring everything. So to get the latest recruiting news, head over to the Basketball Premium Message Board where you can get the scoops from Sherelle guys like Sean as well, just the whole team. They will have you up to date with everything. Guys, I think we can wrap it up there, unless if anyone had any final thoughts that, that they wanted to give on Don, anything at all? All right, I'm getting shaking of heads. So that will go ahead and do it for this week's edition of the Coast to Coast podcast. We really appreciate everyone listening in. Again, please remember to subscribe and rate us on however you are listening to this podcast. And thanks again. We will we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the next edition of the Coast to Coast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.